Welcome to The Feral Housewife, the ramblings of a 40-something-year-old mother of six, trying to keep the plate spinning, everything going, and managing the chaos. Do you find that your glass is half empty more often than it's half full? Do you feel like that you could earn an MA14 rating after you stub your toe? If so, we should probably hang out. I appreciate you spending the time with me. This is episode two, and I'm your host, Sydney. If you need to find me out there on the interwebs, I'm a little bit of everywhere. I can be emailed at theferalhousewifepodcast at gmail.com. I'm on Instagram and TikTok at Muse Pottery. I'm also on TikTok and YouTube as The Feral Housewife. I think the, uh, TikTok is uh, The Feral Housewife Podcast. And um, if you are a fiber artist and on Ravelry, I'm Sydney Nitz there. So those are all the places you can find me. You know, you can send me your messages of support or hate there. (laughs) Um, Hopefully not the latter. I'm not into that. That's not why I'm here. But, you know, I've learned that cyberbullying is a real thing. And it's often a real thing by the people that are really anti-regular bullying. Um, So that's a can of worms for a whole different day. What I have planned today, aside from general housekeeping and a disclaimer... My art update and general life update is to talk a little bit about menu planning, meal preparation, and the things that I have learned feeding the sheer number of people that are running through my house that seem to want to eat all the fucking time. So let's get into it. Housekeeping wise, I kind of did a soft launch of the podcast. I didn't um, have the podcast graphics to upload to Apple iTunes yet or Pandora, or any of the schmancy places, so I just kind of did the Podbean um, launch. So when we do the more firm launch after the graphics are done and what have you, and you listen and enjoy, I appreciate a share. Um, I'd really uh, like to gain some listenership and um, be somewhat successful, you know, it's just like a little goal. But anyway, I digress. So where we are in that is I needed to recognize my limitations. I don't want to learn. I don't feel like learning. I don't want to learn. I don't want to take the time to Google it or watch a video and make a shitty um, digital graphic design for my podcast. I want to have something I like that gets the message across. And I'm more than happy to hire out to someone who's more talented in that media. So that's what I did. Um, I She's literally half my age, but very talented. And the vibe of what she put down is perfect, or what I think is perfect for my, mes- my message. Um, I also sought out some music. Um, had like a kind of bizarro thing happen with the music. So I went to a website where you would solicit um, someone to work for you, not an accountant, like a legitimate business to work for you and a freelancer, so to speak. And said like the, your music that you sampled is spot on. This is what I'm into. And like I referenced, uh, the killing moon by eco and the Bunnymen, um, burn and a forest by the cure and I by smashing pumpkin pumpkins. And, um, anyhow, he like replied with, he had no idea what kind of genre music I was referring to. I took that to mean like he has zero interest in working on the project, which, and then like I exited stage left, but in my head and the question I had, and I guess the question that I'm now proposing to the world is, wouldn't you as a freelancer Google that? 
Um, see, because what I would have done to be authentic, and part of this comes from being neurodivergent, is that I would feel the need to be honest about why I was passing on the project. I wouldn't like come up with some BS thing that like I couldn't like go on Apple iTunes and figure out what those songs were by The Cure. I would say, oh, it sounds like it's going to be a great project, but it doesn't seem like something I would be a good fit for. That's what I would say. I wouldn't like make up some reason, but that is very typical of people who are neurodivergent with um, the similar issues that I have to be honest to a fault. <laughs> so there we go. Anyway, so that's where we are. I did order a microphone and editing software for the podcast because I enunciate my P's and T's and I don't want to hurt your ears if you have earbuds in. I want to be able to kind of soften that out. I believe the enunciation of the P's and T's the way I do it is since I taught elementary school and beginning reading so frequently, it's very hard to teach a child to decode a simple word um, with the way we as Americans kind of slur a lot of our speech. So I developed a way of speaking that I felt was a little more clear so they could hear the letters. And so that is my default speech. So especially if I'm tired or really rambling, um, I will default to that. So hopefully that'll clear it up. I don't want to lose that integrity, that initial vision of all of my podcast in the past had been and currently is of keeping that like free flowing stream of conscious thought. I want you to hear what comes off the cuff. I, it's almost as though I say it and forget it. Um, I will record it. Now, this also comes from being a mom of six and that I recorded, I can't tell you how many episodes yesterday that I ended up deleting due to screaming and ranting. But having um, the editing capability of removing the scream and edit and just kind of, it would still maintain its integrity. And I would probably, because I'm a freak, have to tell you, like, I don't know if you just heard the kid that like screamed and ran by the door, but I would have to tell you that happened. Like, even if I edited it out, um, but I feel like, um, I would feel more comfortable with what I was presenting. So those are like the little house clean, um, keeping bits. Now, a little disclaimer, a lot of times I bitch and moan and I don't at all want to seem like I am really that, um, depressed or upset or, um, ungrateful of my situation. I don't mean it like that. I know there are people in far worse situations right down the road from me, let alone globally, and I'm not ignorant to that. I can assure you as a person with high anxiety and an overthinker that I have thought of the 30 different ways that I am wrong in my certain viewpoint, whatever that viewpoint is, and overthought the situation. It's me. So I don't mean at all ever when I say something to seem... Um, like I am ignorant to people who are in a worse situation. Never meant that way. Also, I am not a medical health uh, professional. So the truths that I speak in for me are my truths. So um, if you need help, seek help. And um, hopefully we can stop that kind of stigma. 
So let's do a little craft update. Okay, so the kiln fired yesterday, the bigger kiln with a bisque load. The way I choose to fire my pottery and my sculptures is I fire once as a bisque and then once as a glaze. I use an electric kiln um, and I have two, two pretty large kilns for home, I guess it's like production use. It's not super industrial use, like they're not walk-in kilns, but they are fairly large. Um, so I had the bisque load going yesterday and I tried to throw some pots. I posted a fail on TikTok um, because I actually didn't intend on recording a fail, um, but that's what it turned into. So after throwing uh, two successful and three unsuccessful pots, I determined that it was not a clay day. And what had happened regarding clay issues for me is I typically order my clay by the ton every year in December. And with the injury to my ankle and the COVID year as it was, I did not order clay in December. So I'm down to half a bag, which is less than 10 pounds of clay which means that every time I go to work with the clay, I have like anxiety that I am going to screw up. And that anxiety means that I actually do screw up. I can't get out of that stupid headspace or game. So um, I kind of walked away from that, came inside, attempted to podcast. Um, I think we discussed the screaming children. I then made a rageful, spiteful dinner of roast chicken It tasted the same as when the roasted chicken is made with love. So, you know, if you're like, oh, I have to cook dinner, but I have all this resentment and rage, dinner won't be cooked with love. It's going to taste awful. No, it tastes exactly the fucking same. And nobody cares because they just want to eat three times a day. So um, gave up on that, did a little sewing for the corset for the April show took out all of my paintings that I was considering. I needed to make sure I had between 11 and 24 paintings for the April show. I don't have 24. I'd have more than 11. So I'm somewhere in that range. I haven't been feeling particularly inspired to paint. Part of it is me recognizing that painting is not necessarily my go-to skill. I am better at clay. But like I said in the first podcast, I'm obnoxious and tenacious, so I'm not going to be told what to do and I will paint. Um, So I've been working on some plague, um, medieval plague mask doctor paintings on like with a little collage, mod podge feel. And those were pretty much what I was working on. So I labeled things, tried to remember what I titled them. Uh, Sometimes like I title stuff and then like the next time I take it out, I give it a different title. And then um, I don't know, I got to get better at that. But or maybe I don't, I don't think it matters in the grand scheme of things. But anyhow, so it just made, it put my mind at ease because I had this thing occurring in April and I was kind of thinking about, I don't know if I'm the only person that does that, but it's like this task looming over me and I want to make sure that I'm going to meet or exceed that expectation. So being type A, I have to get my ducks in a row ahead of time. And I can then, once I know... I have that leeway, I can then relax a little bit and pull back a little bit. So um, I had a pottery fail. I made some gnomes and decided to do rainbow gnomes. I laid out the glazes and the blue glaze and green glaze, the ones that I paint on, 
actually look the same. And I'll get into like when we do a potter, like more in depth pottery, I can explain a little bit about that where somebody who's not into pottery could understand how that works. Um, and I'm not by all means not an expert at that, but I did fuck up the colors of the rainbow. So my blue and my green are backwards. So it has to be what it is because it's done. Um, I don't really want to not sell them because like they're not. They're wrong, but they're not wrong. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Like, so everybody just to get over the fucking color difference there because I don't have time to make more gnomes. I don't have any clay <laughs> to make more gnomes um, because the gnomes actually take quite a bit of clay to make. Um, so the gnomes are what I made and they have to stay that way. I did make little mushrooms, which I'm really into. I kept one, which is very unusual for me to keep something that I make that does not have an imperfection. Uh, typically what I keep is the stuff that has like a little crack or ding or mis or warp or some sort of what I consider a defect. So anyhow, that's where we are with that. Um, I'm getting ready. I'm doing one other outdoor market show. We only did one this year. My personality type is just not cut out to subject myself to a day of socializing. It is very difficult for me. And um, when I do go and I talk and enjoy with the people, I enjoy it. But it's not something that I would be able to do regularly. I also don't have a body of work that is a single note. I don't make 20 of the same mugs and put them all out. It's just not how I am. I don't have a consistent color palette. I have glazes that I make and develop on my own. Um, I also use commercial glazes. So what I use and have out there I are combinations of glazes that I've made. So if it's something, a glaze I've made and I like, I will always have some form, not always, typically have some form of it like a pur the purple that I'm very drawn to. Um, I have a matte turquoise I'm into and what have you. And then I have a few commercial glazes that I play with. And oftentimes with uh, the commercial glazes and some other glazes I might mix up is it's, you're not always going to get a piece. I can work in a series. So for instance, I did a vegetable series where I was carving carrots and, um, radishes and sculpting, um, painting them and like carving out in the clay while it was still somewhat moist and partially glazing. So you had like a view of the carrot underground and I did some flower pots and um, mugs that way. And then I moved out from that series. I was doing hand painted um, sunflowers and I moved on from that series. Um, the dragonflies, the sculpted dragonflies, I kind of, that's a, a theme I stick with. So I am not, I don't have a consistent body of work where, um, I could do like a traveling show and be like, this is the way my table's set up. I put the plates that are shaped this way here. I put these mugs here, those mugs there, that cup there, these candle holders here. Like you don't know what you're going to get because I approach my pottery less as a production potter and more as an artist. And so I make pieces that I feel like making and it's just what I'm into. Um, 
I've had some people that supposedly were supportive of me, found out they were talking shit about my creations. Um, but I mean, if they would say the things they would say to a mutual friend, what are they saying to the people who don't know me? Um, so I tend to get a little um, put off by that because I have chosen not to show anyone any of my artwork for 40 something years um, because I never felt it was good enough and um, or acceptable or worthy of being seen or appreciated and felt that the compliments were disingenuous. So then to have that followed by people that should have been supportive and then not is really shitty. So I am waiting for that karma train to loop around and I'd really like to see that. So, um, you know, that's, that's a difficult thing for me to get over is when <clears throat> in art wise, your art is different than going for a job interview and not getting hired. It's, it's almost more personal because your job resume, your work resume and what have you is not quite as personal as sometimes your artwork can be. So speaking of that, I went and took artwork to a gallery that solicited me for their gallery. They've offered me um, a place in their gallery. And so I need to decide whether that's a commitment I can keep up with and want to keep up with. So I don't know what I'm going to do about that. I am not going to make that decision today. I was woken at five o'clock this morning by two boys that decided to run through my house like freaking maniacs. So um, while I am not typically a napper, I did try today and failed. So I'm a failure at napping today. But I can recognize my limitation that I should not try to do anything technical. Like I have to go weigh glaze ingredients to mix glaze. And it's very specific. Um, so today's not the day for that. Today's also not the day for sewing. Um, so I don't even know what today is the day for. And this is where I struggle as a type A person is I find the need to be extremely productive all the time. And I'm recognizing today that I'm really fucking tired, but I can't seem to give myself a little grace just to chill. Um, it's something that comes very difficult to me. So that's why like when I take that mom weekend over at my best friends and I am finally able to take a breather. I don't have a responsibility to anyone that at that particular time, but myself, it's pretty amazing. And, um, as a homeschool mom, there's a disproportionate number of homeschooling parents that are of a very Christian faith. And, um, without getting faithy, um, I, I would not claim to know how to identify myself now because I don't fall into any of the round peg square hole situations that are developed, but I could sign a profession of faith, but what my faith looks like compared to what the women sitting next to me in most homeschool groups looks like is very different. And thusly, the way I interpret my lifestyle as a mom is also very different. I was often surrounded by women who felt their duty in life as a mom and wife 
was as Eve was created to be a helpmate for Adam and um, had a very subservient relationship with their husbands um, and very servitude relationship with their children. And it was not a way of life that my family subscribed to or uh, went with. My husband and I um, rule this roost in unison. Uh, I'm primarily the disciplinarian. I do a bulk of the family plannings of what we do, how we get there, etc. But we do it together. Um, but it's definitely not those traditional roles. And I wanted more from my life than just being a mom and a wife. And not that those things aren't great, but I wanted to have successes and things that were just mine, things that I did that were unique to me. So finishing my graduate degree was something that was important. Continuing my art was something that was important. Um, and I didn't like the feeling of being looked down upon because I chose to spend my time doing that. Ironically, in the same group of people, if I had chosen to spend my time getting a mani-pedi, frosted highlights in my hair, and been away from my family the number of hours it takes to do those things, it would, or going to the gym or what have you, it would have been seen as fine, as normal, and as worthy. But if I chose to do those things for something of a self-interest, um, a creative outlet, or in this case, um, you know, a, a audio outlet, it would be deemed as a waste of time or something that was drawing you away from your true work. And I don't like the, the idea of having to decide between the two. I didn't sign up for that just because I got ovaries and a uterus. So that's where I stand on that. So that's my life update and my craft update, and that's where I am. I will um, do the seeking video on the sweater. Um, again, the lack of sleep today is probably not that day. So let's talk about what I plan to talk about today. Let's get into that. Come on. Where are you in this personal Ponderosa? Hmm? So a year ago when all this started, I think I might have mentioned that I knew um, being high anxiety, high warrior type of person, as soon as they announced pandemic, I knew shit was going to close down for a long time. I actually said that there was going to be disturbances in the food chain before any of this happened. Stuff that I said about that made me seem really fucking crazy until like April. April, then all of a sudden, like, I'm not the crazy aunt that stores shit. Um, <laughs> so here's what my day-to-day -day pantry looks like. Okay, now I enjoy cooking sometimes. I enjoy cooking more often than I don't enjoy it, typically. Today has no reflection on that because I did not enjoy cooking yesterday and I don't anticipate enjoying it today. But again, I digress. So for me, I have a walk-in pantry. It's not a bougie walk-in pantry. It's got really shitty wire shelves, but it is a walk-in pantry. At any given time, you can find four boxes plus of pasta, some sort of dried pasta. I have potato flakes. My mother made potato, mashed potatoes from scratch every single time she made them my entire life. 
I had never had instant mashed potatoes until I went to college in the cafeteria. But I got over that. Somewhere around kid four or five, I decided that sometimes instant mashed potatoes would be okay. So I have potato flakes. I also have potatoes and onions. I have two types of canned soup that I keep in there. One of them is canned tomato soup or a chicken noodle. Typically it's canned tomato soup because we do tomato soup and grilled cheese frequently. And then the other is cream of mushroom or cream of something that I will use for recipes. I don't always use that for recipes. Sometimes I will use the Wonder Mill and grind navy beans and make a paste with that or use chicken bouillon with a little flour, water, a flour, butter, and milk, and make a cream of chicken base that way. So like I said, I also have bouillons. I am not against the bouillon. I know there's a bunch of crap in it that a lot of people don't want to eat, and that is your prerogative. I have rice. I typically have a long grain rice, and then a jasmine or basmati rice. I usually have coconut milk in there. I... Um, will have a variety of canned tomatoes, whether I can them myself or um, buy them canned. Um, I buy my tomato paste in tubes. You can find it on Amazon. This way, if I have a recipe that needs a little bit, I just squeeze it from the tube, put the lid on, and I put it in the door of the refrigerator. I typically carry a backup of mayonnaise, mustard, and ketchup at, at all times. I have the makings to do like a little Asian flair to my food. So I have a soy sauce, a teriyaki, rice wine vinegar, um, a, what is that? Sesame seed oil. Sometimes I have sesame seeds if I remember to keep them on stock uh, or in stock. I keep um, fish sauce, oyster sauce, plum sauce. I usually keep a jar of sweet and sour because it's a really quick meal to throw some diced chicken breast and peppers and onion in the Instant Pot with a little water, cook it, add a jar of um, sweet and sour sauce, and then serve it over rice. And so I try to keep that together. Um, another thing that I'll do with that same jar is if I've if I've um, cooked and shredded chicken in the Instant Pot for freezer meals, I will then take um, a portion of the shredded chicken, put it in a baggie, and then put the peppers and the onions and any other vegetables that I would want in the sweet and sour in it and label it sweet and sour and put it in the freezer because then I can add sweet and sour sauce to it. I can add a stir fry sauce to that or what have you, and it's in the freezer. So that's what I do as far as that goes. I usually have whole rye whole and whole wheat in the pantry as well because I will grind that down when I want to make a whole wheat or whole rye loaf of bread. I have flour, um, brown sugar. I only type, use one type of brown sugar. I feel if I really need dark brown sugar, I just take some molasses and add it to it. I have some sort of corn syrup. I usually have some sort of honey. Um, we keep bees, so sometimes it's my honey, and we also buy honey because, you know, shit happens, and I don't always have my own honey. You know, don't judge me. Um, I have dried mushrooms, um, porcini mushrooms, which are Italian, and some crap I can't remember, shiitake mushrooms. 
I usually have some sort of cheap ass ramen. The kids love it. It's like, it's literally like drugs for children. They cannot get enough of ramen. Um, and if you want to see my kids shit a brick, bring cup of noodle. They'll lose their fucking mind over cup of noodle. Um, let's see. I sometimes have rice noodles in case I want to make pad thai. Like I said, I live in the middle of fucking nowhere. So if I want like Thai food or something like that, I either have to drive an hour and 20 minutes to get it. And that's one way, or I can make it. So I learned to make um, different renditions of things. I usually have mung beans for sprouting. Don't think I'm healthy. I'm still, you know, I have a fat ass. And um, but the mung beans, if I'm if I know I'm going to make pad thai, I'm going to sprout mung beans because that's one of the things I like. Um, I have usually have some form of nuts. <laughs> I'm like a 12-year-old boy. Like, I can't say nuts and not laugh, but whatever. So I usually have some form of nuts. I have a backup of either a corn or vegetable oil and lots of backup of extra virgin olive oil. I have coconut oil because what middle-aged housewife's pantry in this decade would not be complete without the fucking coconut oil? Um, let's see. I'm trying to think of things that like make my pantry so that I can make something at any given time. Um, and then seasoning wise, and by seasoning, I mean beyond salt and pepper and garlic and onion, minced onion. I do dehydrate my own minced onions from time to time and I've also buy them. So I'm, I'm like a complicated web of hypocrisy. Um, it's not that I believe that you have to go one way or the other. I feel like a big slacker when I buy a 99 cent minced onion, but at the same time, I am willing to take some cuts in my perfectionist nature to give myself a little bit of leeway. Um, so the, the pantry is pretty stocked. Oh, I usually have some sort of beans, either dry or canned, um, if I am going to cook dried beans, I do it in my instant pot and then I freeze half of them so that I have them for another time. And that works out really, really well because the dried beans cost considerably less than the other beans. So you might be like, Sydney, but why are you so obsessed about the cost of the food and da da da? Because I'm feeding so many people. Now, there are moms on YouTube. And I don't know if there's podcasts that you can follow that feed far more children than I actually feed. And you, um, by all means, like reference them. But for me, if I'm going to do grilled cheese and tomato soup, for instance, it is four cans of tomato soup and it's a loaf and a half of bread and a heck a lot of cheese. I will use the American cheese slices. It's not that I don't like good cheese for things, but a grilled cheese to me, I like American cheese. So I take out the electric griddle plug that in and I can get a entire loaf on the griddle at one time. Um, so that is a typical thing that we would have for lunch. I keep a stocked freezer where I will have um, either chicken breast or chicken thighs, a whole, uh, at least one or two whole chickens, ground beef, some sort of whole beef to cook, um, a ground pork pork choice. And that's because we raise our own pigs frequently. So a lot of times it comes back ground, um, which is kind of interesting because the butcher will mislabel the ground 
pork, so you can't always trust that it's going to be pork sausage or plain pork, so you kind of just got to go with the flow when you, like, take one of those out. But I, you know, I have ground pork options. Um, we sometimes have a pork chop option. I don't, uh, pork is not one of my favorite meats, so I don't cook it that frequently. My husband has an anaphylactic reaction to all seafood. So we have a very limited amount of seafood. Sometimes I have some sort of filet, like flounder or cod from like frozen section in Aldi. And sometimes I have a shrimp selection. And I usually have salmon because my eldest daughter and I enjoy that. And so I'll prepare that an evening that I prepare something else that everybody else likes, but we don't maybe have enough to serve everybody. And that kind of gets us through. So part of having that stock, uh, stocked pantry. Oh, and I have um, flour, flour, sugar, um, yeast, baking soda. I buy my yeast in bulk. So I usually have a pound bag in the freezer. And then I have one that I work out of in a large jar in the refrigerator. So part of having a very stocked pantry means that at any given time, I can put together something for a meal. Like if I were doing solely a pantry item off the top of my head, I know I could do a chickpea curry because I have the coconut milk. I have chickpeas. I have the rice that I would use. I even have some Gray's um, chutney and that would make a really nice combination. So I usually have something like that. And then in the freezer, um, one of the things I try to be vigilant in doing is if I have produce in my refrigerator that is going to be going bad soon, like bell peppers or celery, um, snap peas, I'm just trying to think off the top, oh, carrots and things like that, I will wash and cut them in whatever the most common form I use them as and freeze them in bags. And that is like the door of my freezer. Like, so if you broke in my house and wanted to cook food, now I've explained where all the things are. So you're all set. Um, so when I go to make chicken soup, I will find it there. So let's rewind a little, maybe 10 years ago when the bone broth craze was taking off. I couldn't figure out what people were talking about. Like, when weren't you making bone broth? And I learned that not everybody makes chicken soup at home, like from a whole chicken. So like I said, last night we had the chicken roasted. So I take a whole chicken and I season the crap out of it with salt, pepper, and garlic. I'm Italian, um, uh, American, so um, I'm going to throw garlic on anything that holds still long enough for me to garlic it salt, pepper, and garlic, and I use herbs de Provence. I think it makes a really nice roast chicken. And then I slice up a bunch of potatoes. If I have sweet potatoes, I add those too. Throw in some um, drizzle, olive oil, salt, pepper, garlic, and oregano on those. Put them around my chicken, roast the shit out of my chicken. I like to go high and a long time. I don't like, any pink in the chicken will freak me out. So. I like a little drier roast chicken, and we usually have some form of canned cranberry, or we have um, roselle with hibiscus, which is a tropical 
um, helix-like plant that grows that makes a mock um, cranberry sauce that is it's very good. So we have one form of some sort of cranberry to serve with it. Um, basically, if you're two years old and at my table, you will repeatedly ask for a spoonful of cranberry and eat that by hand. That's just how it rolls. So then tonight, what I will do is I will take what's left of the whole chicken. And some days I have to cook two whole chickens, depending on how hungry someone is, or, you know, everybody at the table. Sometimes I'll do a chicken and a half. Sometimes I can get away with just a whole chicken, depending on the size and, again, how hungry everyone is. So I will take the whole chicken last night, throw it in a Ziploc bag, put it in the fridge. Today, what I do is before I had a pressure cooker, I would have to take the chicken and put it in the pot on the stove. I would add um, my aromatics, which the ones I add are carrot, onion, celery, garlic, a little bit of tomato paste or a squirt of ketchup. If you're, you know, it, nobody tastes that it's ketchup ever. Salt and pepper, cook it, skim off the schmutz off the top and let it cook. Now I throw all of those set items in the Instant Pot press soup, skim it off. I usually pull out my vegetables with the exception of the carrots and sometimes I add a little bit more carrots. Um, secret is, is I freaking hate cooked carrots. So I will not put them in my bowl. Okay. And I have a child that will not eat the cooked carrots and I don't put them in her bowl because I remember gagging trying to eat cooked carrots as a child. So I get that like your taste buds might like that, but they participate in the broth in a way that's really good. So what I do with that then is I take the whole chicken out and I set it in a bowl and it has a little bit of meat still stuck to it. So I let it cool down just a little and pick off the meat, throw it back in. Now I don't have, when I say I add onion, I literally cut half an onion and throw it in there so I can pick the whole thing out. If we have a pig, I then take those scraps out to the pig. If I don't have a pig, my trash can gets rewarded with the scraps. Works out. Um, like right now, we currently don't have a pig. So the trash can will be rewarded tonight. Um, I don't put it in my compost pile, not because I believe in the compost police about what can and can't go in a compost pile. And if you're curious about that, I highly recommend David the Good compost everything. But um, I don't want my outdoor cats or my dog to get into the onion and decide to eat that. And if you live in the middle of nowhere, you know how hard it is to make your compost pile predator or critter secure. So I will then decide what will become of this. Sometimes it gets rice. Sometimes it gets wild rice. Sometimes it gets cream. Um, sometimes it gets uh, dumplings. And by dumplings, I usually make southern dumplings. Despite me being a northern girl, I will roll out handmade dumplings. I've heard of people cutting up um, like biscuits into it. Um, like, you know, pop the can and oh, throw biscuits. So that's just one of the things that I do to make two meals out of one thing. Um, of course, I have usually have some sort of egg noodle in the pantry that I can throw in there. Um, I don't use it to make chicken pot pie because there's usually not enough meat on there. 
And, and that's one of the little things that I do. So when the personal pan pizza hit last year, what happened in our household is I had a cushion of food um, because we always have that, but we also have eight people in a household. So trying to grocery shop under the new limitations of what you could and couldn't buy was very interesting. Also, from a perspective of living in um, southern Florida in a hurricane-prone area, is typically I will not overstock my freezer going into hurricane season. So the start of the corona nonsense last year happened, and then it was like one of these, do I risk it and put it in the freezer? Do I buy what I can, when I can, as frequently as I can, not creating a hoarding situation and depriving someone else of what they need, but do I stock my freezer and risk losing everything in my freezer? So that was a kind of difficult situation. But having that little hedge, that little pantry, was very beneficial. So for us, um, what we increased in were grains that I keep and um, sugar because I was canning more. And, um, and I upped my freezer cooking a little bit. So I will do a whole entire podcast on freezer cooking if everyone is interested in that. But what freezer cooking does for me is I have a variety of foods that I know I can either put in the oven in two hours, have a complete meal, take out the night before, or in the case of this freaking ankle injury, I have something that people can rely on for breakfast, lunch, or dinner while I am laid up. It's worked out really well. So I do what I do not do a day or two days of where I push myself to near levels of exhaustion, requiring extensive time of rehabilitation and IV fluids after which time I cook. That's not what I do. I bulk cook. So if I'm going to make wet burritos, for instance, I will put the chicken breast in the instant pot with the broth and what have you, shred it in with the hand mixer, which if you're not shredding your chicken with a hand mixer, shred your chicken with a hand mixer. It'll save you hours. And then I will usually bag up that shredded chicken to do the sweet and sour or that sort of thing. And then I will make two or three wet burrito casseroles. If I'm really feeling adventurous with the chicken, then what I'll do is maybe make um, a chicken and rice bake or two. Those things, so one of the wet burritos will be that night. And then in the, in the freezer, I've put probably five or six meals aside. Now, granted, they're all chickens, so we wouldn't have the next five or six meals um, because my family would like literally pick it and strike outside the house. But it's one way to get that done. Then another time, what I would do is take a large amount of ground beef out. Cook my ground beef however you want to cook your ground beef. You want to throw it in your, your crock pot? Do it. You want to throw it in the instant pot? Do it. You want to do it on the stove? You want to do it in the, the oven? Like, you can do me in the morning. You remember that song? Well, like, just like that. But, like, you can cook it in the instant. I won't do I won't sing anymore. But maybe I can't promise ever. But, like, I will try not to sing again this episode. 
So you're going to have all this ground beef and then you're going to be like, you know what? I'm going to make some lasagna, make ziti. In my head, I'm like, lasagna and ziti are basically the same thing. And so like, I feel like I'm really cheating the world on that, but like, I get over it. Throw together an enchilada or um, pre-wrap chimichangas. And if you can say chimichanga without thinking of Napoleon Dynamite and saying chimichanga in your head, congratulations, I can't. And, um, and that becomes a meal. I will do two smaller shepherd's pie because I have a few children that don't want to eat. Here's how dinners usually work in my house. Um, some of my children are convinced that I spend my entire day in life sitting and meditating deeply on some sort of meal that will royally piss them off at dinner and they hate. And then I get an innate amount of joy and pleasure from sitting at the dinner table and listening to them tell me how much they hate what I cook for dinner. That's not true. It's just a happy accident of what I cook. They happen to hate. It just happens that way. But I'm also not Denny's and this isn't Alice's diner. So you can't get whatever you want. So um, this is what's for dinner tonight. And it might be one, your favorite, and it might be somebody else's, or it could be one of those things that nobody fucking likes. And we're going to eat it because it's dinner and I'm tired of thinking something new. So I didn't really plan out when I was born with the ovaries and all that, that meant that I had to think of what everybody else was going to eat for fucking ever. So I attempted to make a spreadsheet at one point in my life because I would be like, crap, what am I going to make? What ended up happening is what would happen when I was like 12 years old and would go into the record store. So when I was 12, I would think of all these like awesome tapes or CDs. I don't even think that were there CDs that I don't remember, but music that I wanted to buy. And then I would go to the mall with my friends and hang out, walk into the record store and have no fucking idea what I wanted to listen, like what I wanted to buy. I would forget like every music that I ever listened to, liked, wanted to buy, would escape out of my little tiny brain. And I would like have performance anxiety in the middle of the CD store. So then we would go to Spencer's and look at the random crap. So the same thing happens to me with dinner is I look at a package of ground beef and I just go tacos. That's all I think, like tacos. I can't think of anything else. I have no fucking idea what to cook with ground beef. Now, at any given time in my life, I think I've cooked probably over like 100 different things with ground beef. But I can't come up with anything more than tacos. So what I was attempting to do was create a spreadsheet where I could go ground beef and these are these 30 things. But like a lot of things that happen is I started the process and then realized I'm not going to reference a computer. I have six children running circles around me. I'm trying to homeschool. I'm trying to do everything else. I'm not going to pull out that menu. So what I did is I decided to use my Pinterest board of anything that I have made or will make, I put in dinner ideas, even if I already have the recipe, because then I'm a very visual person. I can go there and I can look, oh, picadillo. I haven't made that in like freaking forever. We're going to have that. I have some Spanish olives. We're going to rock. And that's just what I do. So like I said, when I'm bulk cooking, oftentimes I will get enough ground beef defrosted. Like if I'm going to make a meatloaf, I'll make two meatloaves. 
and I won't bake the second, but I'll shape it in a loaf and I'll put it and I'll label it and I have to label it because I will tell myself I'm going to remember and I will promise myself I'm going to remember and I will look at this little baby meatloaf. Go, you're a meatloaf. I know that's where you are. You're in the top right of the freezer and there you are. And then three weeks later, I will pull this thing out and have no fucking idea what it is. None. Don't even recall. I. They could fingerprint it and I would still deny that I had touched that bag. So I label it. Sometimes that means I have to find the Sharpie marker. So what? Because defrosting mystery meat is not something I have time to do anymore. So that creates two meals out of something that would easily one meal. Salisbury steak is also another um, ground beef thing, um, but my people don't like it. We have very, very strong opinions about mushrooms at the table. I like them. Um, my husband likes them, and there's a collection of children at any given time that do not like them if they can see them. So, you know, that's where we are with that. And then I think I've mentioned before, like the crock pot, a lot of moms feel really um, in love with the crock pot. And I'm going to have a little confessional. I hate crock pot cooking. I fucking hate it. Um, I read a study this last week about how if you smell the food for a long period of time, you're actually less likely to enjoy it. So that's why um, often food that you eat out at a restaurant tastes better to you than what you would create at home. And it has to do with the duration of that smell. So like when I put something in the crock pot, I want to eat that at like 11 o'clock in the morning when it smells good. It's still raw and disgusting because it's in the crock pot. But that's when I think it's like, mmm, pot roast. But at dinner time, it's not mmm, pot roast. It's like this shit. I smelled this all day long. Want no part of it. So the crock pot doesn't isn't a favorite of mine. I also feel that because of the nature of the crock pot, um, there's not a depth of flavor that you develop when you're doing something in a, in an actual Dutch oven on the stovetop or stovetop combination into the oven. There's not that evaporative um, conversion of flavors and sugars. And so it the food almost has a one note characteristic to me. Um, I do make things using the crock pot from time to time, but it is not a favorite of mine, but it is a tool that I will utilize if I have to. I don't use the Instant Pot that frequently. I use it to make rice if I'm not microwaving rice. I don't use instant rice. So if, if you um, haven't made rice in the microwave, it's a really, and you're making two cups of rice, the recipe on foodnetwork.com is fantastic. It's um, memorizable. I also make it in the Instant Pot. I make a version of stick of butter rice, um, which is if you're into butter, is I highly recommend. <clears throat> but I don't, um, I don't always use that, but it, it gives me some sort of option. When I serve rice to my children and they litter rice all over the table and floor and chairs, I'm reminded why we don't eat rice more frequently. So I try to keep my rice um, cooking to, to a minimum um and serve some other type of starch for dinner sometimes one of the things that we will do is um we will marinate things and put them in the freezer so that we have something to grill um, we live currently in a climate where we can grill year-round um, if that changes for us then we'll kind of have to re-explore 
um, what we do as far as that goes. But it's one of the things um, that is a really quick and easy type of meal. Um, the other night, I went to have one type of food and realized that the crock pot had not cooked the pot roast quickly enough and it wasn't anywhere near ready. So I had to turn it off, cool it down, put it in the fridge and drive to town and get pizza. For me to drive to town and get pizza is an hour and 20 minutes round trip. So it's not a luxury. It feels like a mom failed me. My kids love it because they get to have pizza. So I shouldn't look at it that way, but it feels like I wrote out this list. So as far as menu planning, um, that I had, I have people in my life that I've known who plan a month at an, in advance and have a very strict and rigid menu plan. And kudos to you. I cannot roll that way. I don't know when I am scrolling through some sort of social media and see a recipe that that might not be something that strikes my fancy. And we might wiggle around our menu plan. So Taco Tuesday might happen on a Wednesday. So at any given time, we have some sort of frozen tortilla in there, and we usually have the components to make a ma vast majority of recipes pretty well. So what I typically do is plan a menu four days in, out or so, um, sometimes a full seven. And I will schedule my either art studio time or homeschooling time and then determine what we're going to eat based on the free time that I anticipate myself having. So on a day that I know that I'm only going to be doing some pottery in the morning, we don't have homeschool lessons, what I might opt to do is cook something from scratch for that dinner. But on a day that I'm trying to get pottery done and have or, or artwork done, clean the house and have homeschool lessons would definitely be a freezer meal candidate. But I made sure to give myself a little bit of leeway in my list. It's something I struggle with because if I wrote it down, oftentimes I feel that I must succeed at it. So that's where we go with that process. And hopefully you're better at that. But I also find that if I plan my menus that way, I'm less likely to waste food and more likely to rotate what we have. Part of keeping a stocked pantry, freezer, and refrigerator, and as stocked as we keep it, is that we have to use things, older things first. So um, for my Mormon listeners, actually, as much as I curse, I don't think I have Mormon listeners, but if I did, there's an adage that says, eat what you store, store what you eat. So for my family, I think we discussed my feelings on quinoa before. I would not store a 50-pound bucket of quinoa or 5-gallon bucket of quinoa um, for an emergency situation or to have on hand. But if quinoa is something that rocks your world, then obviously you would have a bigger stockpile of quinoa to work through. But one of the things that you shouldn't be doing is getting a 10-pound or 50-pound bag of quinoa, shoving it in the back of your pantry and using the little one that you buy weekly. You should be rotating through what you have. So when I buy replacements of ketchup, for instance, or things like that, I try to put them on the pantry shelf in a way that would say, let's take this one that's up front first. Now, mind you, I live with a bunch of little children that I have created to not listen to a damn thing I say. So they will pull the wrong ketchup off the shelf often. So once a year or twice a year, I will go through and really pull 
what needs to come out and be used. And that is a mismatch, <laughs> hot mess of dinners or desserts or what have you. But we try to get through it so that we have are always using what's in there. Now, when we used to have a pig, which we currently, uh, like I said, do not get cleaning out the pantry, didn't feel as guilt ridden as cleaning out the pantry today would, for instance, if I needed to go do that. I don't actually have to do that. I cleaned out the pantry pretty well because once I gained the mobility to walk on my ankle a little bit with a boot, I had to make the pantry safe for me. Now, the children knew that I couldn't look inside the pantry for a good three months, and it was very apparent by the inside condition of the pantry that they hadn't planned on me going in there that day. What this meant resulted in is me tearing absolutely everything out of the pantry and reorganizing it. I learned things about myself, one of which is I like to buy a can of SpaghettiOs. I actually don't like to eat SpaghettiOs. My children don't eat SpaghettiOs. But I always have a can of SpaghettiOs in my pantry because I have them for an emergency situation that if my youngest child needed to eat lunch and someone did not know what to feed them, they would open SpaghettiOs. But being that we have never actually eaten a, eaten a can of SpaghettiOs, and we've just rotated it year after year, I can only remember the last time SpaghettiOs were opened in my household was before I lived in this house, and long before I even had a second child. It was something that my first child was eating, and I bought the little tiny cans. So I don't even know that anybody here would have any idea what it was, but I can tell you what I did before I came in here to podcast. I checked the expiration on those jars of SpaghettiOs I had in the pantry, determined that they were still good, and left them out on the counter and told the eldest and my husband to go ahead and serve SpaghettiOs. So I will go out there now and find out how the SpaghettiO incident of 2021 went and whether or not we determined that it is actually a disgusting can of mush or we like it. So that should be interesting. So some of the upcoming episodes that I have planned for us or you or me, if you uh, just me, if you choose not to tune back in, I plan to talk a little bit about homeschooling at some point, um, what it means for us, why we started and what we do now. Um, I think my perspective will be a little bit different from the very uh, straight laced uh, approach to it. I plan to talk on the unspoken rules of hierarchy and craft and art. Um, which is kind of a hypocritical nonsense mush and um, really entertaining to me to think about. And at some point, um, if the interest is there to talk a little bit more in detail about freezer meal preparation, I'm happy to do that. It's something that I like doing. I'm going to talk about a little bit about can and canning and jam making, which is something I do. Um, animal care and husbandry. Specifically, we'll start with chickens. Um, we've kept chickens for um, almost a little less than two decades. And um, we've learned, we've made a lot of mistakes and we've had some pretty uh, stellar successes. We've raised chickens for both meat and eggs. So that gives um, some somewhat of an interesting perspective. It's uh, far more trendier now than when we first started out with it. And then I'm gonna talk a little bit about some of the things that I like to make from scratch in the kitchen. And, um, you know, maybe you'll find that interesting or colossally boring and fast forward to the end. I don't know. Anyway, so this is Sydney. I'm the Feral Housewife and I thank you for listening.